The secret is out. This is the unpreached truth about God and money. Let's go. Speak the truth and speak it ever. Those are the words I always remembered my parents telling me as I was growing up in a small religious town. Needless to say, I didn't know how important that phrase would be throughout the course of my life. I had the opportunity and a unique privilege to look at the world in two different lenses. On one hand, I eventually grew up to be a businessman, one who dealt with finance helping make decisions about money and how money works. On the other side, I also had the opportunity to be a pastor, where I have been able to walk away from my former employer in order to make sure that I am communicating the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, to those who may not have heard it. But there seems to be an overlap, not just within my ministry context, but there's also an overlap of conversation that takes place. I've noticed that there are many individuals who would get up and suggest that God is anti-wealth. And so they make claims where you should forgo money. They quote all the Bible passages that sound like you need to take a vow of poverty. Uh, they try to shame anybody who drives a nice car, who lives in a nice neighborhood, or even is making a pursuit to be self-employed. On the other hand, you have an entire uh, group of people who strongly believe that there is a correlation between God and wealth, that God has given them wealth, that God has allowed them to prosper, and therefore their wealth is an indicator of God's favor. Now, I believe that there's anybody who could possibly talk about this subject um, on a podcast. We have a lot of intelligent people out there who can be able to share it. But I believe I'm in a unique situation being a person that holds an MBA, but also uh, has a Master's of Divinity, currently works as a pastor, but also deals with finance, for me to be able to share with people what the unpreached truth about God and money is. Does God have this abhorrent anger and wrath towards people who have money? Or does God actually favor those who have money and blesses them and greatly expands their territory? Is there a correlation between wealth and God's favor? Or is it something that's just a luck of the draw based on which generation you were born in, based on what your occupation is? Are you supposed to take a vow of poverty when you start reading the Bible and you have a relationship with God? Or does God actually want everyone to be financially successful? Does the prosperity gospel make sense? Or uh, does it make sense to more walk away from everything and just take as little as possible? Well, my hope during this journey is that we're going to explore some difficult topics from we will intersect areas of politics, of religion, of faith, of community, and some of the challenges in the world. But also we'll be talking about things on a very practical level. How does God feel about money? 
What is his position and stance on it? Well, we're going to find out. This is the unpreached truth about God and money. Our text of reflection comes from Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15 from the English Standard Version. It says, The Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. There is something about God that's fascinating. When you read the Genesis account, especially Genesis 1, uh, Genesis 1 gives us a framework about God being a God of work. God does not just randomly show up and hope for things to happen. The first thing we see is there's a planning phase that takes place. God knows exactly what space he's going to operate in. The first six days, he works, he does things to create those things which he created. He ended up creating uh, space and time. He filled things in. He created all these different things. And then we find on the seventh day, he rested, which he's taking a break from work. Here's the challenge that I think happens. We overlook then what happens in Genesis chapter 2. And in Genesis chapter 2, it suggests that he put man in the garden to work. Work before sin is part of the image of God. Work is always something that is going to be a part of our existence. Work gives us meaning. It gives us purpose. It gives us identity. People feel fulfilled when they work. Now, you may be in an unfulfilling job. You may be in an unfulfilling career. But the reality is work is part of your divine nature. You have muscles for a reason. You have uh, a brain for a reason. You have a space in which you can be creative, in which you can organize, which you can do things. Work is a part of the human experience. And so the first thing we can have to deal with before even talking about this issue of God and money is we have to see the, the role and relevance of work. Because prior to the fall of mankind, which we see in Genesis 3, work was permissible, work was enjoyable. When the first humans worked, everything that they did resulted in a favorable outcome. After sin, work becomes a punishment as a consequence for sin. So work now becomes miserable. So before sin, work was enjoyable. After sin, work is miserable. But work was still used to reform and reshape man back into the image of God. And so the first thing you and I need to understand is that work is a part of God's plan and design. Which would make sense why all these Bible passages that we see often talk and reference to about the importance of work. Uh, go to the ant, thou sluggard, and be wise. Consider her ways. And talks about how the ant works in expectation for the winter to come. Um, so we have to first take into context that work is, is very important. Secondly, the context of the environment that which the first two humans were in there wasn't just a good environment. I want to avoid the word perfect, but it wasn't just a good environment, but it was also an equitable environment. There was equity there. So there were no haves and have nots. There was enough for everybody. And the expectation that God had was he called them to be fruitful and to multiply and fill the earth that no matter how many people would be in the garden, or be on the planet, 
there would always be enough for everyone. But when sin came into play, sin resulted in a situation where people now have to think about survival. The ground will not produce in the same way. Things are going to wither and die. And so there's some who have more than others. And there then becomes war and tension over the resources that God had created. And that shouldn't seem surprising because that's exactly what happens today in many of our uh, arguments between countries, conflicts between nations, even disputes. Uh, check out Black Friday and see what happens when people go into a store trying to get the same prob product and there's a limited amount. People begin to fight each other, believing it's theirs, right? So the, the reality was that it was a situation where there was um, equity there. But it became inequitable, where now there are some who have and some who don't have. And so we have to understand that the number one reason why, from a biblical framework and even from a practical framework, why you and I work is not so much because of money, but money provides opportunities for us to do one thing, to eat. You and I work to eat. We don't work for the Ferrari. We don't work for the expansion of our business. We don't work to just provide a legacy for our kids. The very fundamental basics we need is to eat. If we don't have food in our stomach, our body cannot be energized. We will die and all that other stuff wouldn't matter. And so you have to understand that money itself is a means to an end and not an end itself. And so there were always these things here to show people uh, the importance of work so that you can eat, so that you can survive and carry on. So really in the eyes of God, work is not an issue. There's nothing wrong with work. There's nothing wrong with having something to do, for having a purpose, a plan, for carrying out something that you imagine. Uh, I would imagine that as long as that was legal, ethical, and probably moral, that there's nothing wrong with that. But here's what I think that we ought to consider. The question isn't so much whether or not to work. The question now becomes, am I doing what I'm purposed to do? Many of us get involved in things that have nothing to do with what we are really designed to do. We get by. We scramble we put in extra hours, we juggle multiple things, but we find ourselves miserable. Might I suggest that there was, again, a reason why God placed mankind in the garden and gave them an assignment. Because God knew the boundaries in which they were able to work. And I think there has to be a level of self-discovery about the purpose that you're carrying out what you're doing. Do you have a reason or are you just simply existing? Do you have a reason why you get up at five in the morning or do the night shift? Is it for your kids? Is it to go on vacation? Is it to do something fun? Or is there a greater meaning behind that? Another thing that we ought to consider in the narrative of this creation account is that God didn't work all the time. Some of us have a habit where we are workaholics. Saturday we're working, Sunday we're working, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, day shift, night shift. 
and really we don't know why we're working that hard unless we just are considering amassing a lot of wealth. But I think the greater challenge is that God himself rested. You know, not just in Genesis uh, chapter 1, but Genesis chapter 2, verse 1, talks about on the seventh day he rested. Uh, we could probably go into that later in the podcast, but I believe from the Bible and from history um, and from language that Saturday is the day of rest that God gave for humanity. There was no religion in the garden. There was no uh, church in the garden, per se. So the first few humans, however, he gave them Sabbath, the day of rest, to reflect, to spend time with one another as a family, to enjoy the labor that God had put in. And God rested on that day and was refreshed. It later comes up uh, in the Decalogue, in the Ten Commandments, particularly the Fourth Commandment, it comes up as one of the main reasons why God went after Pharaoh and the Egyptians over the freedom of the Israelites. He called them to rest, to Shabbat. Many of us need to, at minimum, consider why we're working seven days a week. You're not a machine. How long can you actually last doing that? And I get it. Once every now and then you, you have to figure out how you're going to add in extra hours in order to meet your goals. Maybe you have to adjust your lifestyle or whatever takes place. But I really believe that there's something fundamental that has been lost where we don't sit down and consider and reflect on the work of our hands. And so for me and my family and for many, uh, not just Christians, but many people around the world, they take a day off. Particularly, I believe that day ought to be Saturday, according to the scriptures. Um, it is a special day. It's a holy day. It's a blessed day. But it invites us to spend time with family and to with one another. And some people go to church on that particular day. But, but I think it's essential that God knew what he was doing, that even himself had to rest and reflect. And I think that What's important for us to consider is that you and I need to stop and reflect. And I think that you and I need to sit down and really think about what we engage in. When you're just going into work mode, work mode, work mode all the time, you lose a sense of who you are and you lose a reason and a person purpose for why you're there. And so while we talk about God and money and these issues that come up, we also have to take time to take a break and rest and to reflect on what our hands have been up to so that we can reconsider, reevaluate, and assess where we are in our life's journey. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the Unpreached Truth About God and Money podcast. I'm your host, Nikolai X. And remember, speak the truth and speak it ever. <laughs>